we get some Barry White up in here, Chris? It's uh, Valentine's weekend as a recording of this podcast. I'm a big believer in Valentine's Day. Uh, I think that that should be the premier holiday uh, in American culture. And uh, I believe that all boyfriends, husbands, significant others, partners, whatever label you wear should go out and buy all kinds of gifts to bestow on your significant other. And maybe I'm lying. Maybe I think it's totally made up and Hallmark just likes to sell lots of cards yeah. and flower makers like to sell tons of roses. At- Russell Stover just put a hit out on you. <laughs> I'm more of a Ferrero and Rocher or whatever that name is. Uh, maybe some Godiva. Oh, God, you had me at Godiva. Right. Uh, so, well, a Ghirardelli. That way it's, it's an Italian that ties in with this episode's guest mm. to some extent, right? Yes, there you go. A little. A little bit. A little. A little. That's how, that did not sound like an Italian accent. Well, no. We'll get, we'll get to that, though. All right, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Industrious Podcast. We appreciate you guys joining us today from wherever you're tuning in. Uh, if you happen to be watching us on the Assessa YouTube channel and you haven't already subscribed, please do so and hit that notification bell so you can be alerted when new episodes like this one drop. Uh, today... It is our pleasure to welcome Mr. Darren Christians from ICA North America. Um, he is at the moment located at their new North American facility in Toronto, Canada. Darren, welcome to the Industrious Podcast. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Uh, as you can tell, for those who aren't familiar with ICA for some reason, they are an Italian coatings manufacturer. And then as you can now tell from Darren's accent, he is not Italian. With that said, Darren, why don't you do uh, a quick background introduction of yourself, where you're from, uh, maybe a little bit about your past, and then, and then ultimately what got you into this industry and, and why ICA? Well, originally I'm from the UK, a small town called Derby, which is quite close to Nottingham. Um, originally, after I left college, I went to work for a, a manufacturer in the UK, Morels. Um, I left Morels to move to North America because my father is Canadian, so I get dual nationality. So I was able to move over here, no problem at all. I ended up moving to Vancouver, working for a company that was a distributor of ICA. And from there, a uh, little jaunt back to Europe for a couple of years, came back, got in touch with Mark Leavesley, uh, worked for another distributor in Calgary, Alberta, and then finally came on board with Mark. Mark subsequently left, and ICA Italy took over. So that's how we ended up where we are today. Gotcha. I wouldn't mind a couple-year jaunt over to Europe. Just saying. <laughs> Like a sabbatical, if you will. It was a year. I decided I was going to move to Spain. Um, okay, so like further, if you want to get specific about it, Spain would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. I should have done that 26 years ago, but I digress. Wait a minute. Yeah, you would have been four. Right. How can a four-year-old live on their own in Spain? Well, yeah. <laughs> I would have figured it out. <laughs> Look, but, so Darren, conveniently, you left out a big pretty important snippet of your past being a professional footballer for Uh, the Derby football club. Now I I did a little research here (laughs) and and actually, you know, I've had this conversation. Sadly, they're in the second tier of the English premier league and 
even worse, facing relegation. They are facing relegation. They are pretty terrible. Yeah, see that look? See that grimace? <laughs> his that's, his that, face is turning red. He's getting pissed. That look is the same look <laughs> Colts fans had for American football when they blew it against Jacksonville to miss the playoffs. That's so we feel yeah. your pain. Yeah. No, it's uh, no. I never. I, I I didn't play for Derby in a professional capacity, uh, but I followed them my entire life, and what's happened to them is just a, a disaster. <laughs> You can feel the pain emanating through the screen. They 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 owe the tax man a lot of money. They've got other clubs trying to sue them. Uh, they've uh, it's it's but a hey, mess. Other than that, life's great. Yeah, twenty one points deducted. That's why the second bottom. Yeah, yeah, twenty third out twenty fourth. I saw that in the standings. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Maybe they need but to hire you- Ted Lasso. Yeah. <laughs> I've Speaking never watched. People keep telling me about it. Okay, so I was, I was just really? going to ask you, what's your opinion? Do you think it's oh, funny or man. do you think it's a joke? But I guess if you haven't watched it, then you really don't have a feel-good story for the ages. I've never seen it. I kind of wonder if you know an English person would look at it the same way an American, like find you know the same humor and all that, since it's a big play on on British culture and and European football, particularly. I kind of dig the... I think uh, you should check it out. Give it a whirl. See how it goes. People keep telling me I should try it. Um, um, when I get round to it. There you go. Well, hey, um, talking about ICA a little more specifically here, um, especially on the coding's front, would you say, and I, this is kind of our opinion and, and certainly one of the reasons why we've been a partner with ICA for, gosh, greater than 15 years now, but I would say ICA is really kind of on the forefront of coding's technologies because they always seem to be working on the next thing. And even though that next thing may, at least speaking just for the U.S., may, may be five years out or, heck, some cases even longer, um, they seem to already be working on what that next thing is. Uh, would, you, would you tend to agree with that? And what's your opinion? Yeah. One of the reasons I was attracted to working for ICA originally was because they are ahead of the curve. They innovate. They lead the market. But at the moment, we've got, I, I believe it's somewhere in the region of 60 people working over in Italy in research and development in the labs. It, could, it, it changes a lot. So it could be more or it could be less. But the development there um, is second to none. They, they're working on new things all the time. They want to be ahead. Yeah. Now, certainly waterborne coatings are not new technology. They've been around for years or I should say decades. Um, but the waterborns of, let's say, 15 years ago versus the ones that are coming out now, certainly different. The technology, the resins, et cetera, have, have certainly improved. Um, we, we're starting to see, in, in especially in, for us, having, having facilities and markets throughout the U.S., and each one's a little bit different, um, the the evolution of starting that that transition from solvent to water, um, obviously it's a process. It's not going to happen overnight, uh, but we're certainly starting to see it more and more, um, in particular in markets that might not be on the front end of, of change. Would you say you guys are seeing the same thing throughout North America, Canada included, obviously, and how would you describe today's lineup of ICA water-based wood coatings? The lineup today, 
is excellent, especially the exterior and some of the new mono component products that we're seeing, which have similar performance to, well, certainly comparable performance to solvent-based conversion varnishes, Uh, sometimes even solvent-based polyurethanes. Um, And we're seeing a definite trend towards water-based coatings. Uh, A couple of years ago, our sales would have been in Canada would have been maybe 25% uh, water. We're now at 40, 45, maybe 48. Uh, The U.S. is beginning to change. It's beginning to come in. It's it's going slowly, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's now coming on board. What do you see from your perspective and your experience? What do you see driving that change? In either country, Canada, but particularly for in the U.S. It's the larger companies who who want to be seen to be doing and doing the right thing. And they need to show that they're sustainable. And the companies who are producing for uh, some of these companies, it's not only sustainability, it's the safety. You, you've no longer got, the, you haven't got the risk of fire. Um and it's it's just better for the working environment for the people who work for you. Yeah, so it's a really a multi-tiered approach. Whether it's uh, providing yeah. a better environment for your employees, um, it's, there's some marketing to it, obviously, because the end user is driving it back up the chain in terms of what they want. They want more sustainable products, and so there's there's a multifaceted approach here to as to why people are starting that transition for sure, or environmental regulations depending yeah. on where their facility happens to be located. Yeah, at the moment, a lot of companies uh, end users have been able to steal a march on the competition because they've switched over to the water base and they've been able to market that and they've been able to use it to their advantage. Yeah. I, say you, I think when you, you mentioned R&D and ICA's position in as being the leader in research and development, without a doubt, there's no dispute. Uh, I mean, pre-COVID, our last trip to visit uh, the headquarters in Italy and just seeing the updates they've continued to make. I mean, it's not like they had something that was 20 years old and decided to finally update it. It's constant improvement in their development lab and their testing facilities. It is bar none, the, the leading, uh, development facility, uh, that we have seen, uh, in in the industry. You mentioned a minute ago, mono component, water-based products. So single component, more yeah. or less ready to spray unless you know need some reduction. Um, being comparable to a two-component conversion varnish, which in particularly in the Midwest is is still the leading by far technology in wood coatings, particularly in the kitchen cabinet uh, and furniture industries, uh, as well as some solvent-based urethane, which of course we also know would be two-component because you have to have yeah. the the hardener. Um, can you speak a little bit to, I think some people might have a, a sort of a brain shift around, well, if it's one component water in, in, you know, in the old days, that would be like a one component or in, in the world, a, a lacquer or a pre-cat, which is certainly on the bottom end of the scale in terms of, of finish quality from a, a dry film perspective. Can you just give a little insight as to why one K water, like what it is about that, that drives that quality and then part this long-winded question is um, when do you see people using 2k and why 
for the 2K, uh, the chemical resistance is extremely high. And um, that's not to say the, the new mono components, the, so the, if you want to use a North American term that people are familiar with, the pre-gap, uh, because it operates the same way as a pre-gap. Uh, it's uh, the so the the testing standard. So at ICA, we don't test uh, a, a conversion varnish against our water base because we don't know if that's the best conversion varnish or the worst conversion varnish. We don't manufacture the conversion varnishes. So what we do is we take the mono water based or the pre cap water based and test it to known international standards. So, for example, we have some new products that are arriving in North America that are FIRA rated in the UK. So they meet the FIRA standards in the UK. And the FIRA standards in the UK are chemical resistance, scratch resistance. And the big advantage to water-based over a conversion varnish or over a pre-cap, uh, mono or bi-component is the water resistance. They're water impermeable. And that makes a huge difference in a kitchen. Certainly. Yeah. So it's, yeah, uh, the catalyzed versions, the chemical resistances would be right up there with poly, polyurethanes. Okay. Uh, we talked a little bit off air about the shift to water and the trend we're seeing in terms of how people are doing it. And, and we see when we, when we get resistance to water, I mean, there, there are a number of reasons, almost all of them are false assumptions because people think of water when they saw a waterborne coating 20 years ago. Uh, and it is, it is a thousand percent night and day, 20 years ago, water, even 10 years ago, water, maybe even five years ago, water to today's products. Um, but how do you, how are you experiencing people making that transition uh, that may not be cold turkey going, you know, 100% from solvent to 100% to water. Uh, is there a way to, to baby step it? Yeah, we've looked at the North American market and we've seen that uh, sometimes there's a, there's a resistance to take all of your coatings over in one go, which uh, we can understand. It's a, it's a big step. So we've developed a range of um, primers and sealers, which will allow for ICA polyurethanes to be coated over the top. So you get the performance of the, if you're concerned about the performance of the water, because there is a stigma for the water-based coatings. Um, I would say if you look at Nissan cars, are they the same as the Datsuns in 1980 something? No. That was, a, that was a very old school reference. You just said Datsun. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah, my dad owned a Datsun. That's why I remember them. <laughs> Perfect. So, uh, but so the technology has certainly moved on. But for those people who don't feel comfortable to go all in one go, there are steps we can take to help them get to where they need to move to. Yeah. So we have an example of that where um, they really want to stair step it, and in a scenario where they're doing your t traditional stain sealer top coat. 
um, their first step is to move the stains to water-based. So the VEA 304 is a great example. Um, and then they can stick with their current solvent-based sealer and top coat for the time being over that water-based uh, stain. And then at some point we'll roll into phase two, which is either going to be, you know, changing out both the sealer and top coat to water, or perhaps maybe just starting with the sealer and then eventually getting to the, to the top coat in, in phase three, call it. Um, certainly doable in a, in a way to kind of ease their way into it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the stains going over uh, a long time ago, the, the grain rains from the water-based stains put a lot of people off. The, the VE304 that you've just mentioned is a phenomenal product because the grain raise is minimized. So you get excellent uniformity from it and very little grain raise. So the, the advantages to it, I mean, it are huge. The rags, when you're using solvent-based wiping stain, I mean, they're a combustible fire hazard. Right. Yeah. What... Um kind of addressing the we've seen that happen before <laughs> yep um what's uh addressing the elephant in the room a little bit you mentioned some of the larger manufacturers that are making that shift for a whole host of reasons what about the shops the, the smaller manufacturers that and i'm not talking the one or two man type of small shop i'm talking yeah. you know 10 to 50 maybe upwards of a hundred person shop that have issues with making investment in a, in a climate controlled environment, meaning they're, they're spraying in ambient conditions. And in, in the Midwestern United States, you know, you've got in the summertime temperatures, daytime temperatures in the, you know, 90 degree Fahrenheit with 120% humidity and no rain. And then in the winter, you've got you know, all the way down to, you know, 10, 15 degrees Fahrenheit and dry as a bone. How is there a way for people to, that's the biggest, one of the biggest pushbacks we get is how am I going to get this stuff to dry? How am I going to get water on a board to evaporate into an atmosphere that is already saturated with water or get to slow down because it's flashing so quickly? Yeah. For the, for the slowdown and that that's a little easier because we can use co-solvents and a little bit of water just to slow down the drying process a little bit if it's flashing off too quickly. Polysolve. Polysolve. Assessa. Polysolve. Sorry, shameless plug there. Sorry, we had commercial break. Yeah. No problem. Uh, for the for the drying speed, uh, there's been a lot of development on the drying speed. They're not as it's it's not like you're watching it for days. You may need a few more hours, uh, a little bit more racking, um, but it's not it's not wholesale changes. And a lot of the time, when, what you can do to offset maybe some a little bit of capital investment is you've got a reduction in costs, you've got a reduction in insurance, you've got a reduction in in waste management. You could take some of that and invest it into uh, the oven technologies now are, are portable and are very affordable. So by the way, Sunspot IR. Um, yeah. Which a lot of people have those yeah. these days. Yeah. Yeah, the Sunspot is the one that I've seen the most of recently. And that one, I mean, all you need to do is drywall a room and put a few 
few of the big lamps in there. And yeah, you're curing it. Yep. Are you a drywaller? Is that your weekend hobby? Yeah, that's okay. my side. <laughs> yeah. I want to get a plug in there. It's all about the mudding and the taping. That's where the money's made. <laughs> Darren's side hustle. Um, so we we talked about ICAB on the forefront of technology and development. Um, I feel like while we're in the process of transitioning to some of these newer waterborns, there's already another technology out there that is that is coming right behind it, and maybe you could almost say in tandem with it. Uh, which is some of these products that are being made with bioresins. Um, I know that's huge with ICA. Um, it's already rolled out in Europe and perhaps elsewhere and starting to come into the to North America. What can you share with us about that? The bioresin is where we've essentially taken the oil-based resin out of the product to save on the life cycle of the CO2. So we're using recycled vegetable matters, but it's recycled vegetable matter that is not taken from the human food chain. We want to be clear on that because it needs to be a sustainable product. But it's not, people think that it, the bio is just a water-based technology. It's not. We also have the solvent-based technology. So we've removed the, the resin, some of the resin, in the solvent-borne products and replaced it and reduced the CO2 in those solvent-based products too. So okay. you've essentially taken the petroleum aspect, when you say oil, we're talking yeah. as a derivative of petroleum, out of the equation and yes. inserted food waste, not you know consumable food, as you mentioned, yeah. but food waste that would just go into landfill uh, and create its own issues and yeah. recycle that into a product that obviously from a sustainability standpoint is recycling the waste, but also on an, in the off-gassing of the product when used in manufacturing is dramatically reducing the carbon dioxide CO2. emissions. Sounds to yeah. me like an Italian olive farmer is finding ways to sell additional oil or byproducts from making the olive oil. Now he has a secondary market to sell that byproduct too. Potentially. Hmm. I, I was just thinking about red wine. That's all. Well, that one property we were looking at, we could. now it's time to buy it because it's got uh, olive oil production. We can then start selling off the, the waste to ICA for resins. We're buying property in Italy? Well. We'll talk later. So what, uh, what we've seen some of the literature, what else can you tell us about the, the bio resin based products? Um, these bio coatings, uh, you and I had a chat the other day about one of them in particular. What, what would our market find most interesting about these products? Well, the, the couple that we were, discussing in particular, they have more flexibility because uh, it was a water base we were discussing and it's mono or bi component, so with or without catalyst. Um, and the performance values actually improved on the original traditional water-based product. So you're getting a more sustainable product very often with same performance or better performance. Right. So that's the key. I mean, we both talked 
the sustain, sustainability and the marketing aspects, I mean, that's great. But at the end of the day, someone's going to say, well, that's all good and well. How does it perform? And yeah. I think you're just, you just shed light on that. Yeah, yeah. They, the, the performance values, ICA's lab is not going to put anything out where we're taking the original uh, water-based product, creating a bio product, um, and reducing the performance of the product. Um, it, it, it's got to be the same performance. Or better. Or, yeah, I agree. And very often it's better. Interesting. So that, I think the, that what was the uh, product code on that one that you mentioned the other day that we were talking about was the single component. Well, 1K or 2K uh, opaque. AOB 818 G20 was the one we were discussing, the traditional version. And then the AOB 818 G20 bio. So are you, have you guys started rolling out the bio products here in, in North America? And do you guys have anybody using them currently? We do. We have a large manufacturer, kitchen manufacturer in uh, Ontario. Okay, so it's already been used on kitchen cabinets now. Are they yes. using that as their go-to or as an as an offering? Or how? Again, it's kind of back to the same question of how are people transitioning into water? How are people transitioning into bio? I, I, and is it? I guess. I, I, let me ask a question: Are they using a solvent or water-based bio? They're using a water-based bio. Were they using they, regular water before? Yes. Okay. They were a water-based regular user before. Now they're using the bio version because it's the next step for them in terms of marketing. Right. Because they're in Ontario, which is a market where people are seeing more and more water-based. So they wanted to be that little step right. ahead of their competitors. I imagine if you're using solvent and you want to make the jump to water, making the jump to a non-bio water or a bio water is the same jump. You're not going to see. Is there a dramatic difference between spraying no. standard water and bio? No. no. Okay. If you wanted to go directly to uh, bio, um, the the transition would be very similar to the water base. Okay. You are sitting in a new facility for ICA North America there in Toronto. Um, you've been kind enough to offer a quick tour uh, via phone that promised not to make us feel like we're on a roller coaster. Um, so, right. yeah, Darren, do you have any, uh, any questions for us at all? No, we're good. Well, that was boring. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. All right. Well, Darren, thank you for joining us on this episode of the industrious podcast and everyone out there. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you. Um, again, if you're watching on the assessor YouTube channel and you haven't subscribed, hit that notification or hit the subscription or the subscribe button. Sorry. Hit that notification bell. If you like the episode, uh, hit that thumbs up. If you didn't like the episode, you're really going to make Darren hit upset. Hit the thumbs so up anyway. We need likes. It. We feed on that. That's right. We validate our lives on your likes. So please give us a reason to live. Uh, happy Valentine's Day. This will probably go out after Valentine's Day. But for those of you. Happy St. Uh, Patrick's Day. <laughs> yeah. Happy St. Patrick's <laughs> Day as well. We'll get ahead of the curve. Again, thanks for joining us and be industrious.